0: Man, you gotta get a you gotta get a, a cheat sheet or something. That's terrible. That'll kill us. You like that! You like that! I'm just about that action, Boss.
1: You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win.
0: You are listening to Run the Film with Kirk Morrison and Ted Wynn only on the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Welcome, 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 welcome. Our Super Bowl post-game, postseason now edition. Of the Run the Film podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Kirk Morrison sitting alongside my partner Ted Nguyen, and Super Bowl 54 is now over. Kansas City
0: 31, San Francisco 20. Mahomes takes the snap. He is just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson. It is going to use up all the time. The game is over.
1: And the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. Final score, Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20.
0: Yeah, so the guys uh, just last year losing to the championship game, I think the effect that had on the guys that they – they felt it getting that far and then being that four inches off and it wasn't D Ford. It was all of us. I mean, we were all four inches. We could have done four inches better. And so this off season, you know, they put their mind to it and, and, um, as did the coaches and everybody up their game. And, you know, this is the result. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. I'm not sure it's all sunk in, but it's, uh, it's awesome right now, yeah. I never have that mindset. To me, my mindset is always play play, and compete until the very last yeah. last whistle, until that clock strikes zero. And so um, I just went out there and kept competing. I knew
1: we we weren't in the ideal situation, but I believed in my defense to, to, to get stops, and they did. And then
0: the, the guys kept believing in me and started making plays uh, downfield, and uh, we found a way to win. We'll lick our wounds. We'll get over this. Um, we'll be fired up for next year. We've got a lot of people coming back. Uh, I think we surprised a lot of people this year. Uh, we knew we had a good team, and – you know I'm very proud of the guys and how much better they got throughout this year, and expect to get almost all these guys back and plan on adding a few more. So we're going to rest a little bit, get over this some, but we'll be very fired up for next year. You can see it in guys' eyes in there. It, it means something to guys, and uh, you know it means you got guys who care about what they're doing, guys who care about each other, and uh, you know we're a young team, we've got a we've got a very bright future. So um, you know we've got to take this in stride, remember this feeling, and you know let it fuel us in the in the off season.
1: Right. The Kansas City Chiefs, they beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20 to 20 in a Super Bowl that had some ups, it had some downs, it had some lows, some highs. We had some controversial calls, possibly time management, waste management, exceptional play in the fourth quarter, a little bit of everything. And so we can start in so many places today, Ted. But just first of all, I think really quickly, What did you think of the Super Bowl in terms of just in totality, really quickly before we dive into it?
0: Man, you know, right before the Super Bowl, I think a lot of us were going back and forth on who we think the winner was going to be. One day, you know, you you wake up, you think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. The next day, you think the the Niners are going to win. And it it seems like the football gods even know who they wanted to win because the Niners had... A 95 percent win probability at the seven minute mark of the fourth quarter in that game, <laughs> and ended up losing. So, just crazy. I mean, you know, I, I, I've, after doing all my research and everything, I, I thought the Niners were going to win. Uh, so that's where that's where my prediction went, and things were unfolding like it should have been if the Niners were going to win. It was, you know, d- defensively they were getting after Mahomes. Uh, and they're causing some problems. And then the pass was slowed down. And as soon as the pass was slowed down, Mahomes just went off, and you know that third and 15, 44 yard pass mm. Tyreek Hill changed the entire tide of the game.
1: Yes, it did, man. It was that—that uh, that was the big point in which you saw like the momentum shift um, throughout the entire football game. But I think we can kind of let's how how do you want to just dissect this, right? Uh, let's just look at. Um, I think first of all, I'm not gonna. I don't want to have my own parade, but I did select the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, um, just because I mean that the guy was special and he was special throughout the season. He was special in big moments in this postseason and in the Super Bowl. I thought he was going to be that way. First three quarters, not so much, but then in the fourth quarter, he just did some things that only Patrick Mahomes can do. But I want to go back to the 49ers, right, and how they started this game and how they played in the first half. Ted, I thought they were doing everything that they wanted to to the Kansas City Chiefs. They were running the football well. They were throwing the football well. They were controlling the time. They were controlling the pace. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, really seemed that the moment was not too big for him. And I thought that everything was going kind of according to plan. And then there was that right before the half, right, about a couple minutes left. Their opportunity with three timeouts to maybe, you know, be aggressive, try to go out and get some points and then go in at halftime and they receive the football back coming out of half. And the 49ers decided to go, Ted, I don't know why they did it, but they went conservative. They went conservative. They said to run the football and decided that, you know what, we want to go in with this lead. And then toward the end of the half, like just a couple you know, seconds left, they decided to try to go deep to George Kittle. And we know the penalty, the George Kittle offensive pass interference that really you know, stopped that drive, but it never really seemed like they wanted to get points in that drive. Garoppolo, sideline, Kittle, what a throw and catch! And a flag flies. They might get Kittle, Joe. It looked to me like Kittle got a push, and that's what they're indicating. Creates the separation at the top of this route. He's working against Daniel Sorensen. Best interference.
0: Right. Office number 80. There. Ten-yard penalty.
1: You know, they show a cutaway of John Lynch, and he's kind of signaling for a timeout. And it was just so much. But honestly, Ted, a lot of people point to the Tyreek Hill, the third and fifteen. I really pointed to that particular just sequence, right, and situation in the game. that thought the 49ers did not handle well, and I thought that was just showing some of, of the conservativeness that I saw from them throughout the game.
0: Yeah, and in the first half, they were moving the ball at will. I mean, they averaged 7.8 yards per rush. They rushed for 78 yards, um, and uh, they – and. They were moving the ball a lot with play actions and RPOs, but they did not want to just give Jimmy Garoppolo straight dropbacks because on one of his few straight dropbacks he had, he threw that uh, bad interception to the sideline. So I I think that kind of got Kyle Shanahan a little bit worried about his quarterback just dropping straight back without any play action. Um, So I I think that's one of the reasons why he he decided – that he 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 wanted to go into the halftime um with a 10-10 tie getting the ball first so I did think it was a little too conservative not to go for try to go for a score there especially with 2 minutes and three timeouts um so that was I kind of understand where he was coming from just because you know you don't want to see a boneheaded pick but you know it you got to you got to be aggressive and and you the Chiefs to be aggressive yeah and, and the Chiefs aggression is what You know they they played like they were underdogs. They they came in and they they, Andy Reid went for two fourth and ones in Mm -hmm. the first half, and uh, that made a huge difference because the first fourth and one they converted, they got a touchdown on the drive. The second fourth and one they converted, uh, they ended up kicking a field goal on that drive, but they took two minutes off the clock. And if they had two, if the Niners had two extra minutes at the end of the first half, they they would definitely have went for a score. So their aggression was rewarded and the Niners just played a little too conservative in the first half. And it definitely um, came back and ended up biting them in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they weren't aggressive. And I
1: I thought that had we switched that switched the roles right before the half, if that was Kansas city, they would have definitely went for a score knowing that they had the football coming out of the half out of the break. Oh yeah. They would have definitely been aggressive and try to score points. And this is the one thing Ted that, after covering Super Bowls, been around the game for, for a long time, I've I've, I've I've heard this before, and every year I always bring it up. But when it comes to big games, such as the Super Bowl, or big games in general, and, it, and I don't care what sport that we're talking about, Ted, you don't win games, okay? You take games. Like, you take it from them, right? And if you think about some of the championship moments that we've had in sports, there's a there's a couple plays or even a play or maybe you know maybe 3 to 4 plays where you say wow that team took that game they took it away from them they wanted it more they take it's hard to just go out there oh man we just showed up and we win but then there's something to it about going out there and taking it from the opposing team I saw it last year with the Rams they were hoping to win yet the Patriots made the plays down the stretch they took the game from the uh, the Patriots took the game from the Rams I, I saw it before in the pre- previous Super Bowl Philadelphia they didn't go there to just say oh we hope we win we're going to sit on what we do no Doug Peterson did what we got to go for it on the fourth down right before the half and they the, the Philly Philly was such a special play because they were going to take that Super Bowl and that's why I got upset watching the 489ers because I was saying you got to go take this from them because Kansas City, you don't want this game close in the fourth quarter. And, you know, when we talked last week, Ted, in my preview. The, the concern I had was that the 49ers going into deep waters where they haven't been before. Right. It was a different game when they played against Baltimore. It was rainy and this was just kind of a crazy game. And it was two really good teams. But in New Orleans, I found that they found a way to win. But they kind of were helped out because Drew Brees left too much time on the clock. And if Drew Brees had one more opportunity, I just felt like they were going to score. But in this game, Ted, I just felt that I didn't see it. Right. I just didn't see it before the half. And then coming out of the break, the 49ers got some things going, right. They got a field goal. They had the Mostert touchdown run. They put some drives together. They knocked some of the clock off. And I said, okay, you're starting to see it. Right. The 49ers are playing their style of football. They're going to go into the fourth quarter with a multi-score lead, right? With a two-score lead. They can win this football game. And then again, they got conservative, Ted. Why did they get so conservative? Again, going into that fourth quarter.
0: It's I think it's kind of interesting because, you know, they did get conservative in the beginning of the fourth quarter, but when they got the ball back with uh, about five minutes left and they still had, I think, it was a three-point lead at the time. Uh, a, a lot of people are criticizing Kyle Shannon for not running the ball more in that spot, but he he he, he started the drive with a five-yard run to uh, from Raheem Mostert. Moster. Then right. then then they passed the ball twice in a row, and some people are criticizing that. But I actually think passing the ball there is the the right call. I mean, they were you know the um, Chiefs were stacking the line and. They had a perfect play call. George Kittle was open. Chris Jones knocked the ball down on uh, second and five. Uh, but if he caught that ball, he, he would have been running for, you know, maybe 20 yards after the play. So I, I thought that that was the right call uh, to to pass the ball in that situation. Uh, but I, I wish they had a more aggressive mindset throughout the entire game. And I think sometimes it's tough to go from being conservative and then all of a sudden turning on that switch and trying to be aggressive uh, and, you know, that might be a reason why uh, they didn't really execute late down the stretch.
1: I think that's a great point, trying to flip the switch when all of a sudden uh, you've been playing at one speed the entire game. And then all of a sudden you got to take it up a notch the way that the Kansas City Chiefs did, how they took it up a notch. So I think kind of for me that the, 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 the fourth quarter, right, the fourth quarter of that game really told the tale for me because the 49ers, they had just gotten the interception, right? Trevarius Moore got the interception and you're thinking the 49ers, they got this and I'm there at the stadium, Ted, and I'm looking, I said, wow, the 49ers, can you believe it? Are about to go ahead and win this game. They just got the the turnover. They've got the ball. They're in the, in the fourth quarter and it's starting to creep, you know, under 10 minutes to play. And I'm saying it's, it's, it's this, this is it. Cause this is what the 49ers dreamed of, right? If, you know, if me and you had talked about this particular saying, Hey, the 49ers up 10 with the ball in the fourth quarter with 10. We would have said, oh, the game's over. Oh, this is, this is the 49ers' brand of football. This is what we saw in 2019. But the the ensuing drive, they had some uncostly things happen, right? It was penalties. A false start backed them up. You mentioned the Chris Jones play, how phenomenal he was. But honestly, for the first time – I. Jimmy Garoppolo was really off, right? He was off on some passes. He went high to kiddo once. And then he went, uh obviously the one that everyone's gonna talk about a lot is or has been talking about was the, the 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 bomb thrown deep to Emmanuel Sanders. That was one that just he's gotta make that throw. I mean, they that that's just chemistry. They've gotta make that play. But it just seems that the plays down the stretch, the 49ers. They just couldn't make. And I think from what I saw with the pass rush of the Kansas City Chiefs, Ted, is that Frank Clark, who I talked to after the game, said, put me on Staley. I'm not moving. I'm I'm destroying this guy. And in the fourth quarter, you can see he started to smell blood in the water, right, because he just kept going. And they even tried to put in Kittle to slow him down a little bit in terms of getting the chip to help out. But he was beating Kittle off the ball and then going in and beating Staley. And Garoppolo started to feel that pressure. And so when he tried to step up, all I saw was the big Chris Jones standing right there and jumping in the air, watching the eyes of Jimmy G. And he just kept throwing it right into the that, almost to the hands of, of a guy like Chris Jones. Like that was something that I saw that the 49ers just seemed like they hadn't seen that kind of pressure before in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, and, and on that second of five knockdown uh, by Chris Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo actually double clutched the ball. Yes, he did. And if he if he didn't double clutch, I, I felt like he probably would have got that ball to kittle. But it, it's just like those, you know, football is such a game of inches. You know, you, you you double clutch once, it gives Jones a chance to kind of sink back and knock that pass down. And you know, it's all about timing. And if, if you know you got to be able to execute and master those little details in those big moments and they just couldn't do it and this is the result that's the difference between a, a potential championship play and and what um what happened you know the the the, the chiefs were the ones making a big plays down the stretch i mean that that long bomb to uh watkins you mm. know they had a quick it looked like they had a quick um concept called and then they saw press coverage which the Niners didn't do that much during that game but when they saw press they converted to a fade and Patrick Mahomes hit Watkins perfectly you know right right in a bread basket before a safety get there for a 38 yard gain that set up that game winning touchdown and um after the game, Sammy Watkins actually gave credit to Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams scored a, a touchdown against on Sherman. A similar route, yep. Yep, by taking an inside release on a fade and then stacking him on the outside. Uh, so Watkins took that lesson, went inside of uh, Sherman because Sherman was playing outside leverage press and stacked him, got outside, and um, they got that 38 yard gain. And it's just, you know, they're, they're able to make that tough play in the clutch moment, and Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't make that throw to Emmanuel Sanders in, in that tough moment. And those are the plays that make the difference. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Richard
1: Sherman play because I was going to get to him as well. Cause there's a couple key guys on both sides that made plays or didn't make a play. And I thought one of them um, for me, this is um, just a, sh- a small criticism of Richard Sherman. I think that the guys put together a great resume, right? I think he's been one of the best corners in our league uh, for his generation right he's been a left corner his entire career and you just don't throw to that side right you, he's been making so many plays but um you know he has been beat a couple times and there's certain plays where you can kind of see his age but then there's other plays where you see did he benefit a lot from that rush because i thought the best player on the field outside of Patrick Mahomes was Nick Bosa i mean nick bosa was was phenomenal i mean his rushes I mean he didn't get home just on that one where the sack force fumble but he was it was countless pressure over and over and over again but Ted I want to go to the play I believe it was a uh maybe on a second down in the red zone and the 49ers decide to go zero right against um the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in their empty formation and Richard Sherman's playing left corner Ted And he's lined up on Damian Williams. And my criticism here would be, I understand you play left corner. But I'm in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 54. I need to be on Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. There's no way that Traverius Moore should be on Travis Kelsey in the red zone. That's just, I mean, I know what the B defense looks like. I know what the scheme is, Ted. But at some point, I got to go to my coach and I got to veto. Especially if we know we're blitzing. They know we're blitzing. Why not? Put good on good. And that's the gripe that I have and the criticism that I have on Richard Sherman is that in that moment, you should be on Travis Kelsey. You put your various more. You can't put that kid on, on Kelsey. And he got the pass interference. We know that ultimately helped out the Kansas City Chiefs kind of kickstart in that fourth quarter. Ted, that was the one play that I saw. And I said, "Uh oh, that's. That's not good. That was the matchup that they were waiting to see, and they finally got it. Traverius Moore pass interference, and the next play was a touchdown to uh, Travis Kelsey. Right, right. 20 yard penalty of first down, first and goal, pass open, touchdown, Kelsey. Chiefs are back in it.
0: Uh, I agree. I mean, you know, you're in the red zone now. You're not you're in the red zone now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and part of the reason why they, they like having Sherman just to one side is because they don't want to give away. That they're, you know, that they're not playing zone or they're not playing man. Part of that system is kind of disguising zone or man. And if you're moving your corners around, then it's obvious you're in man coverage. Uh, but you know, when you're in a red zone, you're blitzing, you know, it who cares if they know? They right. they already exactly. know. Exactly. <laughs> so You got my point right. You you understand yeah. the frustrations like heck, hey. It's to a point man, look, we are showing all our cards. Let's just play football. Exactly. And you know Bill che- Bill Belichick would put Sherman on Kelsey because Oh man. So if, that's if, part if that's... of the Patriot philosophy. They put best he, on best. Yeah, and...
1: you be uh, Sherman or Stefan Gilmore, right? The defensive player of the year. I mean, I wouldn't have to I, I I wouldn't have to worry if I'm playing against the Patriots. Number 24 Gilmore, the defensive player of the year. Congratulations by the way. Um he's going to be on Kelsey. He's going to be on their best player. That's just what it is. I, I, we don't care. Okay, we just know that you're not – you're going to beat us with somebody else, but you're not going to beat us with him, all right? If you go back to the sideline and say, hey, coach, you know, Demarcus Robinson scored or Byron Pringle, right, or or McCole Harbin, they beat you. you say, hey, you shake their hand and say, well, they, they beat us. But Tyreek Hill's not going to beat us. Okay, Travis Kelsey's not going to beat us. I'm going to put my best player on their best players. And that was one of the things that I saw that I was just like – it just really just kind of like, wow, really? And in that moment, but – I think a couple of key things that I got after the game, Ted, and, and it really hit home for me. And then I rewatched the game again and I just really saw it. But talking with Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and how in the fourth quarter the 49ers defensive line and their pass rush were truly really, really gassed. They were tired. Okay. And Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, the tackles for the Kansas City, they had kind of already saw the gauntlet of moves already. They had saw what Bosa and Ford were able to do, okay? So it wasn't like they were going to be surprised by a spin move or a move inside. There was just some games that were being played, but because the 49ers were having to play a vanilla coverage, right, they had having to play that cover three, and then the pass rush games were you know, pretty simple at that time. So Beanie enemy was just saying, when well, we went no huddle, which we never do. He's like, we're we're a slow team. We're not a, a huddle, fast-paced. No, we went no huddle because they had to, and that's what really tired the 49ers. That's what tired their pass rush down, and that's when you saw some of the breaks in coverage. That's how you get a Jimmy Ward guessing a little bit for a wide-open Tyreek Hill, right? That's how you get guys, um, you know, not playing uh, or – You know, you you get a guy like uh, Quan Alexander who's out there now a little bit tired and then decides to wrong arm Anthony Sherman, who hooks him, and now Damian Williams runs for a touchdown to really seal the game. Like, it's those moments that when I watch back the tape, I'm like, oh, those guys are tired. I mean, think about the amount of plays in the fourth quarter. The, The Chiefs were just running play after play,
0: and that's what happened. That 49ers defense just could never recover. Yeah, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but it just seems like the Chiefs had a lot more offensive snaps, especially in, in that second half, and that that affects pass rushers. Right? It it takes a lot of energy to pass rush, and it does. Uh, you know, and you're not going to take Nick Bosa out of the game often, you know. So <laughs> right. a- after a while, you're going to get tired, and especially you, know, you have Patrick Mahomes running around back there, uh, you know, getting you tired because you have to chase him down as well that that's asking a lot for a defensive end. I think part of that falls on the offense. They have to stay in a field longer. It is not stay on a field very long um, in, in that second half.
1: So I think we get down and we saw, so as I'm looking at all the things throughout the game, games kind of now over and Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. Super Bowl 54 MVP, 26 of 42, 286 yards, two touchdowns. He had the two interceptions but for me, Ted, what I'm going to most remember about Patrick Mahomes was that fourth quarter, was how magical he was. And people are saying, well, Damian Williams should have been the MVP because he had 17 carries for 104. He had a touchdown receiving. He had a touchdown rushing. But I said a lot of that stuff was geared off of what Patrick Mahomes did. But it was, one of, it was the play in which Patrick Mahomes threw the five-yard touchdown pass to Damian Williams, right—the action that he looked like he stepped out, but he crossed the goal line. Mahomes throws pass, caught Williams, touchdown. Kansas City jumps on top. It was—it was just the magic of Patrick Mahomes. You saw his laser-type uh, throws, but I think it was also his ability to get out of the pocket too. Remember, he had a couple scrambles that kept that kept drives alive. They got first down. That kept Bosa and Armstead and Buckner and Ford kept those guys a little bit confused, and then you know that you mentioned the touch pass to Sammy Watkins, that was that was that was MVP esque, right? So he it, it may not have looked good for the first forty five minutes, but that last fifteen minutes, that last that fifteen minute fourth quarter, we saw why Patrick Mahomes was a two thousand eighteen NFL MVP and why he was a Super Bowl MVP this past year, just becoming I mean, in that game because of those plays and putting the team on his back. I just, I just sat back and rewatched that performance because you don't really take it in when you're watching it live. I mean, and you're being there live, but when you sit back and you watch what he was doing, like the bad throw was the one that he just put it behind Tyreek Hill. If he puts it in front of Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill gets the first down and that drive, keeps going. And man, who knows what happens from there? The game may have been even a bigger blowout toward the end.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't understand any argument for anybody being the MVP of that game except for Patrick Mahomes because I don't, you know, any. I think you could put any other quarterback in the league right now on the Chiefs, and they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be able to come back from, uh, f- from from that deficit. I think Patrick Mahomes is the only quarterback in the league that could make the plays that he made in that fourth quarter to to bring them back, and you know he. He wasn't great throughout the game, but he just remained aggressive, kept his foot on the pedal, and it paid off in the end. And I, I really don't think that anybody else could make those plays except for him to, to bring the uh, team back. So I, I think he undoubtedly deserves the uh, Super Bowl MVP.
1: Um, As we get ready to wrap up here, we got a couple more minutes. Um, but I just wanted to take some time for us to just kind of highlight some defensive performances um, that, you know, in the game where you talk about offense, offense. Uh, I mentioned it before. Nick Bosa, um, I thought, was the best player on the field besides Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, he, he walks away with the NFL's rookie defensive player of the year and he deserved it. And I thought that he was a outstanding pick for the 49ers last season, the number two overall pick. Um, yeah, you see a bright future with him, I think, when you just watch him. Um, I thought also as well, Fred Warner played um, outstanding. Kyle Huszczyk, right? I mean, there's some unsung performances by some guys that will we'll get overlooked, but Kyle Huszczyk making a guy miss and scoring a touchdown. You know, he had another catch a little bit later on. Um, he played well. At the end of the day, people are going to say, who was the 49ers' leading receiver? It's going to be George Kittle, right? Oh, no, no, it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders, right? Oh, no, what about Debo Samuel? The 49ers' (laughs) leading receiver in Super Bowl 54 was Kendrick Bourne with 42 yards. and That just goes to show you um, kind of the way that Garoppolo dispersed the ball. But Debo Samuel is a weapon, Ted. And I'm looking forward to see where where does he go from here because I think he's a star in the making. Just his ability to run the football, those sweeps and fly sweeps and orbit motions and ghost motions, reverses, and then catching the ball. He had five for 39 and he ran for three for 53. But I thought he was exceptional, Ted. That Those are some guys that really stuck out to me in this game that probably won't be t- talked about for the 49ers because everyone's so hung up on Garoppolo and Shanahan. But those guys deserve, I definitely, definitely some credit for San Francisco.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, Debo had, had a great game and. I think you know those rushing yards. They aren't just like trick gimmicky plays. He he's a legit runner with the ball in his hands, and right. and those plays are repeatable because they've been running those same reverses since like week fifteen. And every time they've ran one, it, it it's worked. So uh, he it, it's definitely going to be a weapon that they they keep using in the future. And obviously, he's going to keep developing as a wide receiver. Uh, too and and he he's a really good route runner and he's a bigger slot receiver as far as bulk uh, so I'm really excited for what what the future holds for him and, and for the for the Niners you know Jimmy Garoppolo had some big moments in the season uh, but this definitely was not a good game from him I mean I counted six missed passes in the fourth quarter that he could have hit some open receivers on his first or second read uh, but you know, a couple of those were knockdowns, but I mean, he, he just clearly missed a couple, a uh, couple really open receivers. So how how do you feel about Garoppolo moving forward? Yeah, that was going to be a question I was going to ask.
1: I mean, I still think that he, there's still room for him to grow. I mean, really, honestly, as crazy as this sounds, this was Jimmy Garoppolo's first year as a true starter for 16 games. It's crazy as it sounds. And I know it's, this is almost like a rookie year for him because last year we know he had the injury. And the year prior, he was with the Patriots and then he got traded. And so, you know, he only started five games, but it still wasn't a full season. And then we know he was on the bench prior to that behind Tom Brady in New England. So for his first year of starting in the NFL, 16 weeks and then going to have, you know, three starts in the playoffs, um, I definitely see him being a much better quarterback next year. And not to say that he was bad. I thought that he was, you know, decent. He was doing what he was asked to do. But I think this offseason is where he can get the, um, I think, um, I think the validation from his head coach, all right, to get the belief, the confidence, all of that, to that. If they get into a situation right before the half, that they'll give the ball to Jimmy and believe that he's going to make the plays down the stretch and get them out of any bad plays. You know, this having faith, I think that comes – more so this offseason, I think he'll be a better player. Um, and I think the 49ers still have a good future with him, right? I think he's still doing um, – still scratching the surface, and they'll, they'll draft some more guys around him to help him out as well. But, yeah, I, I'm not giving up on Jimmy G. My, my perception really hasn't changed on him. I just wanted to see how he would react in those pressure moments, and I thought he did um, – you know, he, he's got some work to do. I'll say that. But – Um, kind of moving over to the Kansas City Chiefs side, a couple guys I want to throw some bouquets at, man, you know, give them their props. Um, Obviously, Chris Jones, man, he's going to get a hell of a payday, Ted. He is one of the best defensive players in all of the NFL. Uh, He is going to get a big-time payday. Um, Tyreek Hill's already been paid, but we just saw the speed, right, the speed and what it does to people. makes you think and makes guys have to get on their horse pretty quickly, Um, but He had an outstanding game. But I think Bashad Breeland, a guy who's been through a lot in this league, but I thought he was so physical in his tackling. I thought that he got off some blocks and truly made some plays uh, in this game. He had an interception off of Garoppolo, uh, the uh, the one early. And then uh, just getting off and, and tackling Debo Samuel in space. I mean, people don't understand how difficult that job is, and he did it a couple times in this game. Um, I thought Tyron Matthew, he didn't have the big stats. He only had the six tackles to but he made a tackle on, I believe it was Tevin Coleman. That was a touchdown. And he saved it, and the 49ers end up kicking a field goal. But he made a game-saving touchdown tackle. I mean, wide open. He played center field, reminded me a lot of Earl Thomas, but it just shows you how versatile he is. He was by the box, he was in the deep half, he was in the deep middle. He was in run support, and you saw his emotions on the sideline. A lot of that was because he wanted more from his guys, and they they delivered. So I, I think those performances uh, were were I think you know one of the reasons why the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. And um, my question for you, for you Ted, uh, is is this sustainable? Is this a dynasty on, uh, that's brewing in Kansas
0: City? Yeah, I mean, as as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, they are going to be in <laughs> in contention. I mean, they have Mahomes under contract. They have Tyreek Hill under contract. They have Kelsey under contract, and you know, and Andy Reid doesn't seem like he's going to go anywhere, especially after winning this Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I think anytime you have those guys together, I, I don't care who's on the defense. Uh, obviously, the defense was was huge in his game, but uh, just when you have that kind of offensive. Power, you're gonna have a chance in in any game, and um, when you can get any effort from your defense, and they played really well throughout the postseason and in uh, this this Super Bowl, like you said, the open field tackling was was huge in this game because yes, some was. of those explosive runs could have been a lot bigger if, if they didn't tackle in open field. Uh, but yeah, I think that it is very sustainable for Chiefs, and uh, they have the best quarterback in the league, and it's it's not even close right now. Any, and anytime you have that, you're going to win games.
1: Hmm. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be fun uh, to see how this thing works out. Right. Two different divisions. Right. San Francisco, NFC West, which I think will be a much better division again next season with Seattle, the Rams and obviously Arizona with the offensive player of the year and Kyler Murray, uh, rookie offensive player of the year, I should say, and Kyler Murray uh, taking the next step. I think with the Kansas City Chiefs, a little bit different, right? The Raiders flirting around with other quarterbacks, whether it's Tom Brady. I know they're just not sold on Derek Carr. And if by the reports of what we've heard Super Bowl week, um, they, they're they not turning them down. So that tells me something. The Chargers, could they be in move for, you know, a rookie quarterback? They, Phillip Rivers may not be a part of their squad. And, you know, Drew Locke in Denver, you know, offensively challenged they were last year. But is Drew Locke the answer? That's what gives me, I think, sort of the confidence that the Chiefs are going to do this for a very long time. I think before we go, Ted, it's been a great season, man. Uh, So many people that we want to thank for the Run the Film podcast. Shout out to our producer, Robert Bermudez, every single week taking care of us, man. we got to give you a shout out, making us sound good here on the Run the Film podcast. Tanika Smothers as well, our executive and coordinated producer um, for the Run the Film podcast. We appreciate all the support we appreciate you the listeners for hanging with us for all season long playoff super bowl now post super bowl and uh, i can't wait to do this again next season um ted any words before we uh, get out of here and welcome in 2020 of the NFL year
0: uh, no, just like you, I want to thank Rob and Tanika for putting up with us and, you know, uh, <laughs> dealing with dealing with our schedules and everything, and uh, Rob for dealing with our technical, um, for us being technical dummies with technology. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, listeners, um, you know, thanks for tuning in every week and, uh, yeah, listening to us ramble about the NFL. And, Kirk, thank you for joining the podcast. It You know, when we're thinking about po- uh, podcast hosts, uh for the show you were definitely top of the list and uh you know you came on and and it's been an amazing ride and like you said i can't wait till next season oh yeah thank
1: you man i appreciate it same with you ted man value your work your work ethic man and all that you do and i know that guess what man we're gonna be better next year we're gonna get better right (laughs) just like the nfl we're always constantly striving to be better but for ted to win I'm Kirk Morrison. This has been the Run the Film Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. See you next season, y'all. Peace out.